HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by greatbrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's July 16th, 2013. It's July Good Beer Month. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43, the Good Beer Seal. And I'm here with my wingman tonight, James Langstein from Bronx Ale House. How are you, James? Great. Thanks for having me, Jimmy. So it's July Good Beer Month. It's, it's uh, founded by the Good Beer Seal Bars, which include now uh, Bronx Ale House, Jimmy's Number 43, double Windsor's in the house tonight, Blind Tiger. We've got a lot of things going on. We've been at WNYC, the Green Space, doing the Craft Beer Jam, and, and a lot of good things are coming up, including, uh, thanks to our, our sponsors, GreatBrewers.com, on July 27th, there's the New York State Food and Beer Expo. I think I'm just announcing it tonight. It's only less than two weeks away, but, but the planning's been in the works for a, a couple months. Uh, it's at the East River State Park. We got state approval. We're going to have some of the top New York State breweries, over 20 of them there. And the tickets go anywhere from $10 at the door to uh, a VIP ticket. So it's definitely, if you want to celebrate July Goober Month, you want to be outside on the Williamsburg waterfront, definitely check it out. The New York State Food and Beer Expo, July 27th. And you can get tickets at goodbeerseal.com. All right. So there's so much going on. We've had uh, Mayor Bloomberg issue a proclamation that it's July Good Beer Month. Uh, but there's so many really good stories. I think uh, right now online in tomorrow's dining section in the Times, there's a really great article by Clay Risen about all the new small nano breweries. So we've kind of like reached, you know, gone beyond that tipping point um, of, of where you know you know you can get good beer, and then there's a lot of new, new a lot of new beers out there. But um, there's still not as many beers as you think. You know, some people say, oh, there's there's too many. Too many craft beers, but you know, I go an hour outside of the city, and, and, and I still see the same lineup. There's macro, 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 and maybe maybe one local beer. So I still think we have a long way to go. And what, what we're really trying to promote are, are, the, are the good small local breweries. So James, I know you up in the Bronx Ale House. Um, how long have you been there now? Uh, we'll be celebrating our fourth anniversary next month. So you you got to see a lot of different beers. You guys were one of the first places that that Bronx uh, Brewery served, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did their launch. Uh Three years ago, I guess it is now, close to that anyway. 
And have you had any of the new like Westchester breweries up there? Yeah, we've been serving a lot of Peekskill lately, and a lot of us in this room right now are having one of those right now. Their Eastern Standard IPA, um, as well as uh, you know, Captain Lawrence has been around a little while, but they're one of the closest breweries to our location up in the Bronx. Um, Peekskill's making great stuff. There's some stuff. Uh, Rushing Duck is out there. Uh, go a little farther upstate to Crossroads, and that's really been. One of the focuses on what we do at the Bronx Ale House is, you know, keeping it local. That's great, man. And all those beers will be at the New York State Food and Beer Expo July 27th. I'm going to keep plugging it because it's a really good event. We put a lot behind it, and it's, it's really this, the flagship event for July Goober Month. So uh, another good buddy, Chris, Chris uh, Genua. How do you say that's, your last That's name? good. How do you, tell enough. us your name. Chris Genoa. Chris Genoa. Yep. And uh, you're from Double Windsor. That's right. Another good beer seal bar in Brooklyn. So we're really trying to celebrate that connection. What is a Good Beer Seal? Um, it's a small group of uh, independently owned craft beer bars. And it, it's, uh, we've tried to make a difference. We've tried to say, hey, there's guys that are, you know, whether you have two beers, three, three bars or two bars or, or one, um, it, it's small, independently owned. And, it, and you're kind of the tasting rooms for, for uh, you know, craft breweries. So you, um, we've had you on before, but, but the reason you're here tonight is you're working with a new small brewery. I am. Super excited. To be working with these guys, uh, Joe and Lauren Grimm of Grimm Artisanal Ales. Uh, Joe has been a bartender at Double Windsor for a year or so now. Uh, he came to me, introduced by my brother, told me he wanted to brew beer in Brooklyn. I told him he was fucking crazy. Um, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. Uh, but he did it. Uh, he's brewing beer, and we're drinking his uh, From the Hip, a rose hip infused blonde ale belgian style blonde and it is fantastic it's a great summer beer so let's get so you guys say hello and say your names because you're, you're kind of the the new cool people on the block <laughs> so we're grim artisanal ales i'm lauren grim and uh this and is I'm joe grim joe <laughs> uh we're a nomadic brewery so we travel around uh to different breweries we don't have our own equipment uh, and yeah, we're doing limited edition, um, Belgian inspired beers. Uh, everything we want to do is going to be, uh, like a single batch, just a one-off batch. Um, we're crazy home brewers. So we brew all the time and we have got, you know, tons of different homemade versions of all these beers. And, uh, so we're just going to kind of do it one at a time. We don't want to do a flagship or anything like that we just want to make you know limited edition really special unique beers that we can uh release for the season and uh we'll see where it takes us so Gr grim artisanal ale so i know you're doing a, a launch in new york this is actually kind of the launch tonight right you're on beer station radio <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> this is the first time anybody's had our uh beer that we made uh, at the brewery so where are you going to be this week in new york city we are going to be at uh jimmy's number 43 Woo! and uh the double windsor yeah um, so the, the manhattan launch is on thursday um from 5.30 to 11 p.m. That's at Jimmy's. Oh, and then wow. the next day is at uh, at the Double Windsor in Brooklyn, where I am usually behind the bar. Not this Friday, though. <laughs> so From 7 to 11. So how, tell us, this, walk us through the steps. So you guys are like a licensed brewery, and you're registered in New York State? Right. Okay. And you're um, near, are you going to become part of the New York City Brewers Guild if you're in New York City? 
Um, maybe so. We haven't really like, you know, there's so many things to do. One step at a time. <laughs> yeah. But then we're, we're actually we're not a licensed brewery. We're uh, you know you get what's called a wholesaler's permit. So it's like a different permit. Um, you ha- in order to um, you know you have to own a brewery in order to be a licensed uh, brewery. So we have a different kind of arrangement where um, we are able to go to different breweries and brew on their equipment um, without owning our own equipment. So we just make a date. We like make sure all of our ingredients arrive beforehand, go to the brewery, brew the beer, and then uh, go back, you know, three weeks later, package it and bring it to New York and, you know. So where are you making beer now? Uh, This first batch happened at uh, Paper City Brewing in Massachusetts. Uh, It's about a three hour drive. So uh, we'll see, you know, to see how that relationship develops. And So this is the first batch of, of your beer. Yeah. And yep. It's here today on Beer Sessions Radio. <laughs> what I, I'll tell you something that's cool. Is that what I love is that everyone's doing it differently. And, and James, you, you've probably seen this, and we're going to bring in uh, Tom Acatelli, author of The Audacity of Hops. We've got Warren Montero, who not only is a, a, a well-traveled writer and beer expert, he won Beer Drink of the Year at the Wine Coop Brewery <laughs> this year. So we've got some really cool people in the room. But, you know, there's so many great stories. And I think New York State has all these great opportunities for small breweries because I didn't even know about this wholesale thing. But you guys are able to make beer and still sell it here, right? Or, yep. Wow. Amazing. So make a toast to New York State. New York State is really <laughs> rocking it out in the uh, – and also at the, uh, the New York State Food and Beer Expo. I don't keep pitching events, but i got to pitch this one. On July 27th, the president of the New York State Brewers Association, Dave Kataleski – who has for many years been the owner and brewer at uh, Empire Brewing in Syracuse, will be presenting him with a special award because he's really a guy that's made a difference. He's worked with legislators. He's worked with, with Chuck Schumer. He's worked with the governor. He's really worked to make uh, all these, you know, I would say liberal laws happen that you can be a brewer in different forms in New York State and doing exactly what you guys are doing. It's like, never heard of that one. <laughs> you know, I mean, I know that I could, I could, get, a, I could get a license... And, and start brewing beer in the back of my bar, restaurant brewery license. And there's so many of these great little little licenses. And New York State's one of the few states that really, really give it to you. So I'm going to turn this over to Tom. I can tell you you've got a great book, The Audacity of Hops. We've talked about it a lot on the air. Uh, we did a, a film screening of uh, the, the, Michael, the Michael Jackson movie, uh, Beer Hunter movie, and we talked about your, your book as well. So, you know, going back to what, what you researched... Tell us a little about that, and then tell us what you're seeing is, is going on in the craft beer community today. Well, thank you for having me, Jimmy. Um, the Audacity of Hops basically traces the rise of the craft beer movement going back to August 1965 when Fritz Maytag bought control of the Anchor Brewery in San Francisco and sort of unknowingly, because he was the only game in town for about 10 years, set the parameters of small, traditional, small-batch uh, beer made from traditional ingredients by independent breweries. Um, goes all the way into the, the growth of the mid-1970s, late-1970s, the explosion in the 80s and 90s, the shakeout in the late ni- uh, 1990s when about one-third of the craft brewery operations in the United States closed in a few years, and it looked like it was all over, and then back to the sustained growth we've had in the last 10, 15 years. Um, that brings me to what's happening right now. I think, I mean, the question I get the most is about well, you know, there's, there's something like 2,300 craft breweries and brew pubs in the United States, uh, more than there, you know, more breweries, period, than there has been since the 1880s. Surely there'll be another uh, shakeout. 
And I say there isn't going to be because unlike the 1990s, the quality is very uniform. And the training of the brewmasters and the skill level is very high. Whereas in the 1990s, a lot of people were getting in because people like Jim Cook at uh, Boston Beer Company, uh, Pete Slosberg at Pete's Wicked Ale, they made it look easy, even though they were working very hard behind the scenes. And so a lot of people jumped in, and some of the beer was of very dubious quality and lost a lot of consumers. So, but that's not the case now. Th- that's a good point. I mean, I, I, everyone always talks about these cycles, and it, it's a little different than, like, boom and bust of the stock market or something. I mean, people really... What do you, don't you think so, James? I mean, I think there's room for more really good small breweries. I think there's a lot of room for growth, but... Um one of the one of the things I sometimes question is the quality today is probably a lot greater uh, than that last bust, but also the taste of the consumer. Right. It, the demand is much higher for it to be great, so there still could be, you know, right. you still have to make a no, great product. No, that's a very good point. Because yeah. the, the consumer is more knowledgeable. Right. There's a whole beer culture now, thanks in part to, you know, the Internet, uh, that was not there 12 to 15 years ago. It really wasn't. Um, and here's a stat, just really quick. I think it was the American Wine Institute out of, Chicago, out of uh, California about two weeks ago said that there's 8,000 wineries in Canada and the United States. So you, there is plenty of room for breweries to grow. So. Let's bring in Warren Montero again, our beer drinker of the year and a, a writer and traveler. What do you think about this, Warren? Yeah, I just wanted to add in here. Actually, uh, I got the word yesterday we've now cracked 2,500 as the number of uh, breweries in the U.S. But what I wanted to say was there really are two kinds of craft breweries now. We're starting to get into that old, old model where we've got some craft breweries that are awfully big. And then we've got a whole gang of craft breweries at the, at the bottom level, not in terms of uh, how it tastes, but in terms of how much you're making. And uh, I think we're getting into 25-mile uh, limit, 55-mile limit uh, you know, breweries, and that's a good thing. It's community brewery. Mm-hmm. And then you have your big guys like uh, Sierra Nevada, Rogue, uh, who else? Loads of them, who uh, are just really pretty much dominating the greater reach of the market. Yeah. So I don't see a great conflict between the two. No, not at all. That, that's great, Warren. Um, so, Tom... Jump in. It's, I, you know what's going on? It's it's kind of like soup, man. It's like, you know, I, I'm saying go outside of the city. You know, th- there's got to be more than, than one person making good soup in, in every town. Right, right, right. You know? No, but Warren brings up a very good point. Um, one of the things that happened in the shakeout for the breweries that did not go under, they sort of uh, contracted their distribution. And the best example I can give is something that David Geary told me. Uh, he, he owns uh, D.L. Geary's in, in Portland, Maine. Fantastic beer. Um and it's now the oldest uh, uh, craft brewery in the East Coast and maybe east of the Mississippi, uh, I think. But he said, you know, I realized I did not have to distribute beyond the Northeast. The Northeast of the United States has 65 million people, which is more than, you know, Italy and, and the U.K. That's plenty of consumers. So a lot of guys in the 90s who were trying to grow rapidly sort of came back to their, to their immediate surroundings and their immediate regions. And that's a, that, that is a fantastic thing. All right, we're, we're going to do a question. If, if Maggie's out there, we're gonna tw- you can tw- Twitter uh, at beer underscore sessions. Okay, there's a question. If you can answer this, you get a free I Like Beer t-shirt. Okay, uh, from Tom Acatelli's book, The Audacity of Hops, and we've seen this guy's picture a lot race- recently. Uh, there was a gentleman named Jack McAuliffe. If you, if you can tweet and know the name of his brewery, you'll get a free I Like Beer t-shirt. Check in at, at beer underscore sessions. All right, we'll take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. <laughs> 
Thank All right. <laughs> You're listening to Home of Emptiness by Pamela Royal on the Heritage Radio Network.org. But don't feel empty. Check out more Beer Sessions Radio. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's July Good Beer Month in New York, and I'm full of uh, good Brazil bar owners from New York. James from Bronx Ale House, Chris Genoa from Double Windsor. You know my family's from Genoa, England. No, I'm not. You're not. That's why I saw Where's this, where this mic? Come on. There's like 10 people in the room right now. We, well, first, we're going to make a group toast because there's so many cool people. Everybody toast their glasses. We're drinking the Grim Artisanal Ale. They're a new release in New York. They're one of these new... Great expressions of, of the craft beer movement. You know, uh, I, I'm still amazed that you guys are just doing it. I mean, I mean, Chris, what do you think? I mean, gosh, lo- not too long ago you were, they were just making homebrew, and now they're we're seeing a lot of crossovers. My buddy Chris Kuzme, it went from being a homebrewer to being the pro brewer for Five Away Gaster Brewery, but it's still it's not that much more than a homebrew setup. You know, it's, it's so many great up, and I see the growth in craft beer is all the the brew pubs and nano breweries. I mean, that's what we were just talking about. Tom was talking about that. You know, the, and and Warren that the idea that there's in these small communities there's room for more brewers. Yeah, I mean there definitely is. I mean with Joe, you know, Joe and Lauren. I mean I'm a home brewer too, but these guys are way above. They take it to a much different level. You know, it's. Um, I think that's what really separates, um, you know, the home brewers from the professional brewers. But yeah, I think because bars are so interested in rotating taps, that's kind of the thing today. What's new? What's new? What's new? We need like a constant influx of new breweries doing new beers. It's um, I'd hate to be a brewer because of that because <laughs> you all you know we always want you know what's seasonal, what's new, what's new, what's new, and um, so you know from a bar's standpoint, it's great. From the brewery, I'm not sure how great that is. Uh, I mean, it used to be like James and us too. It's like it used to be that I think that the, the breweries wanted to have a permanent line, and then it kind of went from a permanent line to they would say, well, hopefully you can take one keg a month. And now it's like, yeah, we, I feel like we need to have a, a new beer on every day. There's a huge demand and a huge market, you know, our customers that come in and just want to try what's new. And they will definitely go back to certain breweries, certain styles, and certain really great beers all the time. But they definitely want to try a new flavor, a, a creative style, a, a new ingredient that they've never thought to have in a beer before. And there's a huge market for that, which is may lend itself to success of something like Grimm, which is not necessarily brewing one flagship beer all the time. Well, I think it's different, too. I think that it's, it's like, you know, used to be like doing an indie rock band, and then it was like starting, you know, making cheese. I feel like that it, it's okay to make beer and not feel like you're going to have to make a million dollars or something, you know? I mean, you can just do it for love. It's like a lot of us get into the business. It's like I enjoy cooking, and I want to cook. 
you know, do, do you guys feel that way a little bit that you're enjoying what you're doing? And oh yeah, yeah, completely. I mean, that's why we're doing it. It's because we enjoy it. Um, it's what we do anyway. We're not trying to grow too fast or anything. We just want to challenge ourselves, be creative, make the kinds of beers that we can't already find out there that we wish we could be drinking. Yeah, and I think as more and more people learn about um, beer and are more educated consumers, um, there's more room for, you know, as everybody else was saying, um, growth, but also experimentation. And I think that's um, something that we're both really interested in is, uh, you know, just like making things that um, you can't, you know, find uh, just, you know, anywhere that are special, that are really good, you know. That we want to be drinking. Tom, did, did you bring some beers? I did. That, the one we're having right now is the 25th anniversary lager from Brooklyn Brewery. It's fantastic. And because, it's, it around. Okay. because it's good beer month in New York City, um, and, and this will make fantastic radio because it's show and tell, but uh, I brought a <laughs> bottle of New Amsterdam Amber Ale from 1985, at least. Uh, it's still bottled. It was given to me by the son of Matthew Reich who started New Amsterdam in 1982 uh, as a contract operation out of, out of uh, FX Matt in Utica and then opened a, a brew pub in Chelsea in, in western Manhattan. Uh, I think it was in 86. It's in my book. Um, but this is an unopened bottle. There's probably a few in the world. So, I, I so just you, you bought it on uh, the corner of 2nd Avenue and 4th Street in that deli with 400 <laughs> beers. <Yeah. laughs> it's been there for 20 years. It's, right, exactly. That's the freshness <laughs> issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Matthew, I, I ran to Matthew a couple months ago at, at the Brooklyn Brewery. Actually, uh, he suggested nobody ever drink it. That it's probably <laughs> well past its. Uh, How about if we open day? it for the hell of it? You yeah. know, because a few years ago, when, when our when our good friend Ray Dieter died, his wife gave us uh-huh. some, some old bottles, and we opened a few on the air. Let's do it. Why I not? Would love you know, it, but I, you somebody has it. to take a sip. Somebody has. I'll to take a sip. All right, let's do it. <laughs> you, I, I want some too. You know, so the only yeah. reason I'm in this business, and people may not know this about me, is I'll try anything. One time, I was at a kid's <laughs> birthday party, and I ate worms and dirt. You know, are you serious? I'll eat anything. What happened? It, it wasn't bad. It was a little dirty. Uh-huh. <laughs> let's this do it. Was last yeah. year. Yeah, <laughs> let's 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 open it up. This is historical, and this is this is why you should go out and get Tom Acatelli's The Audacity Hops. And I have to say, I've read a lot of beer books. I think we've reviewed over thirty on the show, and this is the first one that really talked about the the beginning of craft beer in America. And if if you don't know who Jack and Coliff is, uh, you got to get the book, and uh, you can probably Google it. But sure, sure. yeah, no, it's, a, it's another hint yeah. is that a, a, another brewery recently came out with. Uh, they they copied Jack McCall's recipe, and should we say it on the air yet? Is, has anyone Maggie? Has anybody texted it in yet? I mean, the funny thing is Jack McCall is. I mean, since you, you, your book came out, you, you wrote an article about it for All About Beer. Mm-hmm. Jack McCall was on the cover, the, the photo that was in your book. Mm-hmm. Um, you he, know, he, he's posing with a on that on that photo. He's posing with a barrel washer that he got for about fifty dollars and fixed up himself. And that says a lot about the early craft beer movement is the sort of do-it-yourself ethos that persists today. I mean, these brewmasters, they, they, they work very hard. Well, last week when, when uh, Garrett Oliver was on and we were talking about July Goodman Month, he said, you know, for me, the, the definition of craft is that, is that it's actually you can meet the person who's making the beer. Mm-hmm. And, and looking back to the roots of the American craft beer in your book, I was really impressed that not only 
could you meet the people? They were actually making their equipment, so they right. were so hands on. Right. Yeah. They were they were fabricating. What what happened in California where the movement started? Uh, it was sort of fortuitous for the craft brewers, not for the dairy industry. But the dairy industry out there was contracting, so you had a lot of old vessels and materiel that the craft brewers then fabricated themselves. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, let's just jump on Warren. You know, you you go back to those days a little bit. Uh, Warren Montero. Oh, thank you, Jeremy. Yeah, well, yeah. we know you did because you've been doing this a long time. But uh, you know, l- l- tell us about like the first you know craft beer experience you had. I don't want to hear about your first beer. When we first started, we've learned a lot in three and a half years. We used to say, "What was your first beer?" And you realize that all the Americans said this forty ounce of something. But then I would meet English people who actually said it was the opposite. When they were younger, they had really good beers, and they kind of have gone away. So let's talk about the first craft beer experience for for you, Warren. Well, and what year uh, was it? I would say for me it was uh, 1973, and it was a bottle of uh, a couple of bottles. One was they were all British. It was Lorimer's, it was Volk's Double Maxim, and it was a Sam Smith's Nut Brown. But in America, I think my first craft beer was, believe it or not, at uh, New Amsterdam uh, restaurant over on uh, where was it? 25th Street, and uh, I think it was 12th Avenue. Yeah. Tom, let's do it. Let, let's open. So, this is kind of historical. Yeah. All right, you know, pe- yeah. people go, they find a, a, a wine that Thomas Jefferson made or something like that. <laughs> Except it's warm. It's well, warm. it's a little it's a little warm. You want us to wait? Well, no, we can, we can do it. We can do it. Um, <laughs> just, to, just to recap, it's at least 28 years old. It's an amber ale. Uh, it was made in Utica and marketed in, uh, and sold in Manhattan. So... Uh, let's give it a shot. Yeah, <laughs> I have two other bottles, so if this works, this could be something. Well, we have a, a good Brazil certified bar owner here. Okay. James, he must have a, a special opening device. Do we have? Is this a twist? No, it's it is. Hazmat it's a suit. No, 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 no. Right. Maybe Joe, the bar back from Double Windsor. <laughs> Who, who's got a? You guys don't have openers? Come on, this is a beer show. One. I got, I got. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, for the breweries on Eleventh Avenue and Twenty Sixth Street. Okay, five cent deposit. Wow. All right. Sensei comes right, stand back, it might explode now. If anything, it's probably just going to kind of... It still has some fizz. A little bit of fizz. Just a little hiss. Oh, look at that. Very clean. All right. I'll take a taste. Wow. It actually has like a sort of a vermouth <laughs> smell. So like kind of maple syrup. All right, let's give it a shot. <laughs> let, let, let's pour it out and see how yeah, long... Who wants you know, to take the first sip? All right. with, with some old wines, too, that they... Sometimes they come around, but probably this will just go flat soon. No, it has, no, it has a head. Yeah, Look at that. That's how effervescent can be. we got to try it. A little oxygenated. Hell, a whole bunch. Let's see. <laughs> All right. Warren's taking the first sip. Hell, it's old. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, but we still have it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So cheers to the New Amsterdam guys. So whatever happened to them, Tom? Um... Well, the, the sort of cost of, of operating a uh, craft brewery in, in Manhattan at the time, uh, throughout the, the late 80s, early 1990s, uh, sort of precluded any growth. So they, uh, Matthew Reich sold the, um, the operation to FX Matt. I think it was, again, it's in my book, uh, 19, late 1990s or, or maybe even before that and went out of business. But the interesting thing is, uh, and this is sort of emblematic of the whole movement. It's the reason I brought the 25th anniversary uh, lager from Brooklyn Brewery is that when Matthew started uh, uh, New Amsterdam, okay, in the early 1980s, some of his, one of his first visitors was Steve Hindy, who, of course, is uh, the prince, uh, still, still involved, uh, co-founder and still very much involved in Brooklyn Brewery. And so 
the one of the the sort of meta topics and meta trends of the American craft beer movement is that people spun off each other. People were inspired by each other. They got advice from each other. It was a very approachable, amiable industry for for the most part, and that continues today. I think. I mean, I'd like you know like some feedback, but I get the impression that probably ninety percent of craft brewers are very willing to work together and uh, collaborate on beers together sometimes and at the very least share their knowledge and and in a lot of cases these days share their space so that other people can brew really great stuff in their you know breweries they built James have you ever tasted like really old beers like this before um I've tasted beer that old, uh, but probably beer that was meant to possibly get that old. (laughs) Um, I recently, speaking of Ray earlier, I recently um, opened up a bottle of 1993 John Courage Imperial Stout, uh, which was still really nice. Uh, A seven-ounce bottle that um, um, I think of Ray when I drank it and doing this show with Ray a few years ago. Um, because I, I won it in a raffle at uh, DBA here in Brooklyn um, uh, during their cast festival in the spring um, that uh, the, the raffle was for his, his, his family, his kids and stuff. So uh, it, w- it was great to open that beer with friends and kind of remind myself of being on this show when Ray was in the chair that I'm sitting in now. Well, let's toast to that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, hey, we're just drinking beer, guys. But you know, there's there's a cool community. We got some some uh, special guests in the back again. Uh, the Culinary Trust. It's a very cool. Uh, I don't know. Jonathan Gross and Liz Lesnick. They won the. They actually bought craft beer for the day with Jimmy. So they actually spent like five thousand dollars to come on the air today to support the Culinary Trust. At least. Yeah. So Jonathan, you're on the spot. So you live on the Upper East Side in New York City. Uh, tell us a couple places uh, near you that you like to get good beer at. A couple. Well, I can tell you at least one place on First Avenue that does a decent job is the Pony Bar. Here, they, here. Uh, a nice spot and uh, very uh, nice diverse offerings. And I'm a, I'm a fan, although I wish they would offer more in a little, lar- little larger sizes for us uh, thirsty consumers. They, they're too much of a fan of the 8-ounce Eight ounce pour, but so you like a big glass of beer? Is that just me? I don't. I don't yeah. know. And, and and how many growlers do you have in your kitchen right now? <laughs> Actually, I think just just one at the moment. Just I'm trying to be uh, I'm trying to be a little bit more responsible, but I do uh, I do like to stop off at. I work near Grand Central, and there's uh, a nice branch of the beer um, pantry, beer table pantry, right? Exactly. Rock on. And and Liz, uh, just just tell us you. Tell us about the Culinary Trust, because you, you, you bought this at the auction. I'll tell you about the Culinary Trust. Um, I can't tell you tons about the Culinary Trust, except that um, I love looking at um, online auctions, and I am into food and food writing and local producers, and I just happened to be surfing online when I probably should have been doing something else, and this lot caught my eye, and looking for a 15th anniversary present for my husband, who is a beer aficionado. And All right. this looked perfect. So, Well, thanks, thanks for Thank doing you. that. And if any of you guys want to Google the Culinary Trust, they have some great programs. And our good friend Bill Telepan, who's a great chef in New York, oh. uh, is behind a lot of their programs. So definitely we try to support the Culinary Trust. 
every year, and they spent five thousand dollars a beer today. So <laughs> if you want to give us five thousand dollars, give it. How about this? Is a pitch. HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You want to be a member? I think uh, starting at what sixty dollars and up, you can become a member. So you, they paid five thousand dollars to be on the air today, <laughs> but I think for like sixty bucks. You could be a member of Heritage Radio Network was, and get invited to. You know, it's coming up. Let's go, let's quickly do all the fest. August 11th, I'm jumping ahead. It's the Hawaiian Barbecue, Heritage Radio Network, Daniel Delaney Brisket Town here in Roberta's backyard. That's one of the coolest things. And I think if you're a member, there's some huge discounts. So go to heritageradionetwork.org. Empire Brewing, our buddy Dave Cataleski is going to be here. Uh, that's the thing to do on August 11th and on July 27th. New York State Food and Beer Expo with uh, 20 great breweries. All right, we'll take another short break. Thanks to our sponsor, greatbrewers.com. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. This is called This Body by Pamela Royal on the HeritageRadioNetwork.org. So, you like good beer. Whether you're a craft beer pro or just had your first sip of an IPA, GreatBrewers.com is your number one beer resource on the internet. GreatBrewers.com bridges the gap between the world's great brewers and the consumers who enjoy their products. With so much information and misinformation out there, GreatBrewers.com focuses on education and leaves no stone unturned. Take the Great Beer Test on their website and browse through an extensive product catalog. Download their mobile beer cloud app which includes a GPS beer finder, a beer sommelier, and descriptions for over 5,000 different brews. What are you waiting for? Back up that passion for craft beer with some solid information and education. Visit greatbrewers.com today. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're recording live at Roberta's in Bushwick. It's a fine two-star restaurant, and uh, I have to say it's one of the highlights of, of our night is that we meet here, we have some beers at the bar, we do the show, and then we hang out and have dinner. It's a great industry networking night, and any of you are welcome to join us here anytime at Roberta's, but I've become a, a member of the HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I think it even starts at $25 memberships. Uh, you got a lot of special benefits. And our friends, Jonathan Gross and Liz Lesnick, they supported the Culinary Trust. They're here with us tonight, and we're going to have a great dinner. So uh, going around the room, we got uh, James Langstein uh, from the Bronx Hill House and Chris Genoa from uh, Double Windsor. So you guys are a good Brazil bar, bar owners. Um, do you know anything about that? Because it, it means something to some people, but I don't know what it means, really. Do I know anything about yeah, it? Yeah, what is the good Brazil? It's a, little, it's a seal. It's an actual... Zoo seal, drinking a beer, and you get to put a sticker of it on your door, which is awesome. And then, why? Because you have good beer. Because I, I guess so. I don't know. It felt it was really cool when we were uh, inducted into it. You know, you don't get many like awards as being a bar owner, right? You don't get very much uh, accolades. So no, it was, it was nice to get an award. It's yeah, not really right? what I was going for, but um, yeah. but no, it, it actually is. Um, Kind of an honor to, to be in it, to, to know that your, your peers, your colleagues um, respect what you do in terms of uh, the quality of the products you have in your place, the, the education that sometimes, you know, um, as we talked about before the show, that in neighborhoods that like our place in the Bronx and yours in Brooklyn, that sometimes 
we provide to, to the neighborhood before you know they're necessarily become the craft beer nerds that they are in the place now. <laughs> um, well, what, you know, just so our listeners know that the Goober Seal, it's only in New York City, but it's uh, there is an independent uh, group of beer and food writers who each year go out and choose you know who's who deserves to be in it. So. You know, you're chosen by your peers and, and by the, the beer and food rider community. So cheers to you guys. Um, and we'll be uh, on July 31st, one of this the annual events of July Good Beer Month is uh, Edible Brooklyn and Manhattan uh, host an event called uh, Good Beer. And it's going to be at 82 Mercer this year in Manhattan. And we'll be doing our Good Beer Seal Awards there uh, early on there. So you can, if you come to the back of 82 Mercer on a July 31st, we'll have a special bar with some Good Beer Seal owners. We'll be pouring some special stash. You're just learning about this tonight, James. But we'll be pouring special stashes of beer from our cellar. And you can learn about who the new Good Beer Seal bars are. So a lot of good things. I'll tell you about July Good Beer Month. It's kind of fun. It was a whim. You know, in 2008, there was the first uh, New York City Beer Week or New York City Craft Beer Week. And uh, so, some of us beer owners, beer bar owners, said, "You know what? We do this year round. Let's get together." And those guys like Dave Broderick at Blind Tiger and Ray Dieter at DBA and Gary Gillis on Standings at Burp Castle and a few others. We said, "You know, we do this year round. What, what can we do about it?" So we said, "Let's create the, the Good Beer Seal. Let's create our own month called July Good Beer Month." And I have to say, it's been a good experience because the mayor each year has given us a proclamation. And, um, you know, we've tried to work with local breweries, but it's really just a, 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 a month to say, hey, let's give a shout out to the guys like Chris and James who do this every day of the year. And they, they, they're dedicated to having really good beer. And um, I don't know. I just want to say cheers to you guys because I like it. And whenever I go out, where do I go? I, a great story is uh, last year someone said, you know, I was, I was in Brooklyn and I was kind of lost and I thought it was a dive bar, but I saw the Good Beer Seal on the window. And I went in and I said, what bar was that? They said, 4th Avenue Pub. And 4th Avenue Pub is a pretty good bar. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's a way for us to all work together. Um, but cheers to that. And uh, what else should we do next? What am I drinking? That's the big question. I'm drinking the Brewery Omegang Florida Hublin. The summer, I call it a summer saison. Did you bring that in, James? I did, yeah. And I, I brought it um, thinking of um, being here with Tom and his book, The, the Audacity of Hops. And... And uh, as opposed to just bringing in an IPA, which is the most, you know, glaring example of hops use, uh, I was interested in having, you know, some hops, Hublon, uh, in, in a Belgian ale. So, and it's uh, one, one of my favorite summer beers because it's not simply just a, a light, fruity, you know, easy drinking thing, which it is, but, but it has a little bit more body to it. James, what what are some of the beers you have on tap right now that you'd like to tell our listeners about? Um, we we have uh, some really interesting stuff. I, I was really impressed with Breckenridge's Hoppy Wheat, um, which is not always a style that I that I really go for. But the 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 wheat didn't conflict with the hops the way I often find does in that in that style. Um, so that's a great session now we have on now. Um, We've had the Vicarious uh, uh, Triple Goose recently, which is just a beautiful blend of two different styles. Um, that's and the, the brewer was in town recently. Yeah, did you yeah. meet her? I, I met her actually at the Single Cut Brewery, which is one of the really great new local breweries in New York City. Um, uh, you know, we happen to be there checking that place out on the same night, so it was nice to meet her. Um, and she's making some really great beer, you know, and it's, it's, 
not a uh, profession full of women, so it's it's really nice to to meet a young woman really doing it well. It's fun to hang out with her, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, and, and Chris from Double Windsor, tell us something. I was not dirty. <laughs> Come on, um, she's the most professional. You know, the thing about women, women in beer, they're very professional. So, uh, Chris. Tell us about what you have on tap right now at Double Winsor that you like a lot. Uh, we just tapped the Founders Rubeus. That's their new uh, raspberry beer. I actually brought a growler of it. Uh, really nice. I'm not a huge fan of fruit beers usually, but uh, this one gets the uh, the tartness of raspberries along with the sweetness. Did, did you bring a growler? I did. Let's yeah, pop yeah. it. Come on. Pop it. We're gonna drink beer. That's what we do on there. Let's yeah. make a toast. We drink beer on the air and we talk about politics. No. Yeah, no. Sorry, Zimmerman. Sorry. <laughs> We're not going there. No way. But, uh, uh, so yeah, that's that's really good. Um, I don't know if he needs his ego stroked anymore, but we have Evil Twins uh, Imperial Biscotti Break, which is an awesome, awesome Imperial Porter brewed with almonds and um, espresso, which I love. We have that on as well. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Oh, Leipziger the Goza, which is one of my favorite summer beers, brewed with uh, coriander and sea salt. And you have that on draft? Yes. Wow, that's a great one. I've never seen it on draft before. I have it on a lot. You can. It's pretty easily available. Um, so Friday we should come yeah. to Double Winter. Check out the Grim. Lauren, help me out. What What is the name of your? <laughs> it's too many words. From come the on. hip. From, from the hip. Uh, from the hip. A uh, Belgian style rose hip blonde. But what's the name of your brewery? Oh, Grim Artisanal Ales. Okay, it's too many <laughs> words for me. You can just say Grim. 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 Yeah. And that's really your last name, Joe, right? Joe it Grim. It is. Yep, Joe and Lauren Grim. All right. Okay. <laughs> so beer better be good. It's got our name on it. <laughs> well, it's your first batch, so we know you got a long way to go. But we, you know, we're really proud of you. I think it's kind of ballsy. I mean, you guys just made a first batch of beer and you're launching it in Manhattan. I mean, yeah, come on, exciting. go for it, guys. You yeah, know, that's the whole it. spirit. You know. I just wanted to drop something in on Goza, which is a really interesting, uh, very old, very new style for us. That. Uh, have you ever considered putting a little finger, pull, uh, finger bowl of uh, fleur de sel on the bar so that people can get a little fleck of salt to get it just right? I've thought about it, but I feel like the really good gozas already have like the perfect amount of salt. It's just like barely detectable, you know? That's just like you get like a little hint of sea salt. Um, but it goes great with any kind of salty food, for sure. Um, Chris, what's your background, man? That's a little Epicurean of you. Is it? Oh, that's in a good way. How did you get into this? You know, I, I kind of fell into it. Um, I'm a writer, and I, um, you know, writers don't make any News money. News to me, everybody. Writers don't make any money. I didn't know that. <laughs> so you have to figure out a way to make money. So I always bartended, and that sort of led into craft beer. Because um, um, I love craft beer, and um, that's just sort of a way for me to make money and support my writing. So when you first started out, give us like a approximate year. Oh, God. I mean, you know, I grew up outside of Philly, so we drank a lot of Yingling and um, I guess, I mean, Sam Adams too, but my first real craft beer would be in the 90s. Uh, it would be Victory because I grew up right probably 10 minutes from the Victory Brewery and that was the first time I remember going. My parents said, hey, we're going to a craft brew pub. I had no idea what she was talking about. Uh, but it was great. We ate pizza and I had to, and I drank a little of their, um, I even remember it was their fall, their, um, their Mersin they do. It was fantastic. Yeah. You had awesome yeah. parents. 
I know, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I was totally underage at that point, too. <laughs> well, cheers to you guys. Yeah. Well, Tom, you know, uh, we've talked about your book a lot, and uh, I feel like everyone here should read it, uh, Audacity of Hops. It's funny thing, last week we were at uh, WNYC doing the, this event at the Green Room called Craft Beer Jam, and I just said, oh, this is a really great book you should all read, The Audacity of Hops, and everyone laughed. Yeah. And how did you come up with that, that title? Uh, well, um, I used it as a headline, actually, at the New York Observer many years ago, um, and it was just sort of out there. Uh, it's a playoff of President Obama's first memoir, The Audacity of Hope, and uh, that, that's basically it. I just changed the letter. I, I would also like to point out, though, it became sort of serendipitous because he is the first president to have homebrewing in the White House uh, in its 210-year history. They, they served a honey... Uh, a honey ale or honey porter in uh, February 2011 for the Super Bowl, made with honey from a beehive on the estate grounds. So that all worked out. But I do want to raise something because everybody's been talking about different styles, and these these beers are just absolutely fantastic. And there's a lot of experimentation. I think that's sort of a cornerstone right now, and has been for a good 15 to 20 years of American craft beer. And because of that, European. Uh, uh, emerging nascent craft beer movements in places like Argentina, Italy, and France. And I can tell you firsthand, you know, traveling in France, they look to American brewers now for inspiration. Whereas a generation ago, everybody looked to Belgium, the Czech Republic, Germany. They're all looking to the United States now, and Japan's the same way. I actually ran into uh, a man in an event in Oma Gang in upstate New York uh, two weeks ago whose son is working in craft beer in Japan, and they all want to know what's going on in the United States. So it speaks very well of the whole movement. So. All right, man. Yeah, I feel like that's, that, that's a trend, and I've you know, I felt for many years now that the, you know, the American craft beer movement is really making the best, most interesting beer in the world now. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's partially because we lacked a tradition of it so mm-hmm. therefore we didn't have rules governing it um yep. and and the fact that it's really new has made it really interesting and you see brewers in you know especially northern europe and scandinavia you know copying american mm-hmm. models and american styles um in in that nomad brewing tradition mm-hmm. it's awesome you know there's so many people i mean there's one two three four five six there's like eight or nine people in this room which is awesome and i love it we're gonna have everybody in the room say what their favorite beer was from this past weekend and if you didn't drink beer you're on the wrong show so james what was your favorite beer from the last weekend uh my favorite beer this past weekend uh it was a warm weekend so it was that breckenridge hoppy wheat that i uh uh, talked about earlier. Nice, light, enough hops to give it a little punch, but uh, good summer ale. And Jonathan Gross, our culinary trust winner here. Let him on. The, give him a microphone. Come on, guys. It's bad. Something from Stouts, but I can't remember what it was. You're not really a beer drinker. But it was Come tasty. <laughs> Listen, that's all I'll say. You should join the Her- Heritage Beer Network. Okay. Lauren from Grim. Uh, to be completely honest, uh, you know, we make a lot of homebrews, and I drink all of our saisons. Uh, we did a saison experiment with um, six different yeasts, and a saison is really good for the summertime. So I'm a, I was a fan of the saison, too. <laughs> all right. And Warren Montero for the Beer Drinker of the Year. Okay. And Beer Sensei was up in Vermont, and I came back with a growler of Hill Farmstead's new double IPA. 
and uh, we ported the Blind Tiger to great acclaim. Wow, awesome, Joe Grimm. I'm really enjoying the Allagash Confluence that we have at the Double Windsor right now. It's really good. A little Brett in it. All right, Tom. And you live in Boston, right? Yes, I do. I um I had a uh, I think it was a session ale from this brewery just north of Boston called Notch. It was fantastic. Very light. Very very summery. Liked it. Uh, that's great. We'll say hello to the Notch guys. Who's the brewer up there? It's Chris I, something, right? I, I don't know, but I, I just want to say to Notch Brewery, I, I love everything they put out. Like they they do a saison, they do a pilsner, they don't do an IPA. No, they and they, they buy some they beers. buy some malt from uh, Valley, 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 Valley Malt, malt in Western yep. Mass. Yeah, definitely. So Notch, we know you guys. We're, we're going to come and check you yeah. guys out. And Chris from Double Windsor. Uh, it'll be Victory's Liberty Bell Double IPA. They brewed it for Philly Craft Beer Week. We have it on now at Double Windsor. Brewed with uh, Mosaic hops, which I love. I just go crazy every time I taste them. And I was out in Milford, New Jersey, and I, I got to go to the Ships Inn, which is a long-standing brew pub, and they do a lot of English-style beers. They had some pretty awesome beers. I would say that uh, they had the Golden Wheat, which is like a, it's super light. It was 4% beer on a hot summer day. English style, low carbonation. I have to say, if you're out in Milford, New Jersey, go to the Ships Inn. All right, we're going to give uh, sign-off notes and all that stuff. Uh, tomorrow night we'll be at the Craft Beer Jam at WNYC's The Green Space. Uh, it's how to taste beer and how to homebrew. We've got John LaPola of Bitter and Esters, who's a great guy. Our, our beer educator, Sam Merritt of Civilization of Beer. Chris Kuzme and uh, Mary Isaac of the Ferment About It Show. We'll, we'll, we'll be there tomorrow night. Uh, check out thegreenspace.org. And there's another show next week with all the Queens breweries. So that's our live like kind of summer event. We're so psyched to be there. And cheers to Heritage Radio Network for supporting us and to uh, the Green Space of WNYC. Also happening tomorrow, Runner and Stone in Brooklyn. They'll be joined by Peak Organic Brewery to host a summer celebratory beer tasting. Check it out at runnerandstone.com. There's a lot of cool things happening in New York, you know. Uh, you know, there's bread shops, pretzel shops, cheese people. Everyone's doing beer now. You know, there's Earl's Beer and Cheese. And uh, New York is a great beer town. What do you guys think about that? Yes? All right. Yes. Okay, and tickets are still yes. available for July 31st. Edibles, good beer event. Check that out. And also our special event, the New York State Food and Beer Expo, July 27th, with over 20 New York State craft breweries. Check out goodbeerseal.com for more info. In closing, I'd like to thank our sponsors at greatbrewers.com who have helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. Beer Sessions Radio is also supported by the Good Beer Seal. If you like this podcast, give us a good review on iTunes, too. Hey, I don't even know how to go to iTunes, but I think a lot of people who listen do. So thanks to Tom, James, Chris, Lauren, Warren, everybody, Jonathan and Liz. We got Chris, everybody, Tom, everybody, Joe, everybody, uh, for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. So many people in this. St- I would love you guys. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Jack Inslee, Brie O'Connor, engineer Joe Galarraga. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.